from a natural bodybuilding perspective, keto could be a really, really great, just kind of level the playing field, look better than you've ever looked, be healthier than you've ever been, and just feel much better doing it. Uh, you don't have to like walk around like a zombie. I was down to 1,650 calories at the end of my contest prep. And then the day after that, I jumped up to 4,000 plus. Like my physique's a much more accurate reflection of what my physique actually looks like as opposed to being watered down. And all my lifts have gone up in that time. I mean, everything's improved. My strength has improved. If you subject your body to stress, your body's gonna respond to that stress and it's gonna build muscle. Ketones, I would argue, are more muscle sparing than carbs. And I mean, I was able to go really, really low. I went down to 65 grams of protein towards the end of my prep. And I, I never really experienced any muscle loss. Body, mind, empowerment get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and our guest today is Robert Sykes. He's a natural bodybuilder who follows the ketogenic diet. He's an author, a coach, and also an entrepreneur. Robert, um, I'm glad that we could finally have this talk, and uh, I've been a fan of your stuff you know, ever since I came across your content online, so I want to welcome you to this yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate you letting me get on here. I've been watching you as well, so it's cool to, it's cool to finally connect here. Yeah, like unfortunately, we're not getting any uh, video at the moment, but we, we have the audio, and uh, for everyone who's listening, then you, you just have to look up Robert's YouTube channel and his physique contest, because you know the man was just in this amazing shape, and... And uh, he did it on like a strict ketogenic diet. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was keto. I've been keto for I guess about four years now. Mm, yeah, like uh, w we'll talk about your contest prep in a minute. But you know, let's let's start off from you know what got you into bodybuilding in the first place. Uh, shoot, that's that's going way back. Um, so bodybuilding, I don't know. Probably since I was a junior in high school or so, I was always like the skinny guy that I wanted to kind of you know break out of that. Um, skinny guy mentality like I was 115 pounds in high school right. um, and I like I grew up on a farm so it's kind of like farm tough you know I was strong in that sense but I just didn't have the physique to really match that mm. um, and my uncle played football so I kind of wanted to you know not necessarily play football but at least look like I <laughs> was stronger like um, so I started yeah yeah exactly um, so he kind of showed me a few things and I just kind of started diving into the wonderful world of YouTube um, watch pro bodybuilders on YouTube, kind of learn how to train based off of what they were doing. Um, I was kind of making makeshift weights and stuff in my shop. Um, we lived out in the country, so it was literally just, you know, pieces of steel that we had laying around. Hmm. And then from there, we just kind of scaled up. Um, I got a gym membership, you know, and then I just got better and better with it over time, not really knowing what I was doing initially, but eager to learn. And um, that's kind of just taking me down the road that I am now doing bodybuilding as a career, basically. Mm, yeah, like the, uh, it's a good fundamental basis doing some, you know, farm work or being uh, active physically ever since as a child. I've been quite similar myself. But uh, when did you start the keto diet? Uh, so I started keto, I'd, I'd done three competitions um, following just a standard kind of like flexible dieting, if it fits your macros protocol. Um, and I don't know, like I, I got really lean with all of, the, all of those. Like I, I looked really good, but I just didn't feel good. And they all kind of led to, you know, just walking around like zombies towards the last month of contest prep. And then, then after the show, you have like all kinds of, you know, binging and yeah. eating disorders, just, you know, bad news. Um, so after my third show doing that, I'm like, this, there's got to be a better way. And I wound up doing carbohydrate backloading, John Kiefer's uh, mm -hmm. carb backloading, which is basically keto 
in the morning and then throughout the most majority of the day. And then you switch to eating a lot of high glycemic index carbs at night. Mm. I'm like donuts and pasta and all that <laughs> good stuff. Um, so I, I felt that, you know, shoot, I, I felt better before I introduced the carbs. So I'll just take out the carbs and do carb backloading without the carbs basically. Mm. And I uh, didn't even know what that really was. And then I felt great and I just, you know, kept feeling better and better mm. mentally sharp. I didn't feel near as tired throughout the day. And then I started digging into things. I'm like, shoot, what am I doing here? I'm not even eating carbs. The carbs are supposed to give you energy. What's going on here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's kind of how I stumbled accidentally into keto. Yeah. Like the, the John Kiefer's carb backloading is, is like a semi cyclical keto diet version. And I've done it. That, yeah. I've, I've done it that myself, like a few months as well during my first years of keto. But, uh, then I also got kind of bored because of it, you know, like, yeah, you do eat those, you know, 500 grams to 1,000 grams of carbs per night on one one of those massive cheat days, but yeah, it kind of gets boring and uh, you start to miss the mental clarity and the focus of of a strict keto diet. So that's that's where that's why I decided to you know stay more consistent with with a more low carb approach. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like the the backloading is good, like it's good, like you can eat like that and stay relatively lean. But I mean, I was eating like literally a whole tray of brownies and i'm yeah. like okay i'm following the protocol perfect now i'm doing it right what's going on here but it's like this can't be good for me internally like there's no nothing that indicates that yeah. eating this much brownies is going to be good for me cookies yeah tr that's true yeah like uh it might it may like be a good uh, tool in your, in your toolkit if you are an athlete and you can use mm -hmm. it you know in a strategic way but i would i wouldn't recommend to i wouldn't recommend it to someone who has like eating disorders or who is you know suffering from diabetes or obesity? Who's trying to actually lose weight? Then it simply yeah. you know, fixes the symptoms because you're gonna si still gonna crave. You're gonna wait for that cheat day to come. So the key exactly. is to you know set yourself free from the desire to have those kinds of treats in a sense. Put that cookie down now. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, like you're in very great great shape and you're strong and athletic, so. How has your performance changed after you switched over from the standard bodybuilding diet over to a low carbon? Uh, I mean, honestly, from a, well, I kind of break it apart into like physical performance and mental performance. Um, physical performance, I just, I'm much more even keel. Like I don't have moments when I'm, you know, tired, moments when I'm energized. I don't have moments when it just, there's not near as much volatility throughout my day. Mm. Um, and from like just a scheduling perspective, it's liberating because I don't have to time my meals around my workouts or vice versa. I don't have to like eat every couple hours. I could just, you know, train hard, not worry about my nutrition in the sense that I don't have to worry about when I eat and how much I eat. I just do. Mm. Um, and like, I don't know, I just, I have more endurance during my training. I'm able to get better pumps now, honestly, than when I was eating carbs. A lot of people say you can't get near as good of pumps with, mm. with carbohydrates. Um, but I've actually noticed getting, better pumps it's taken a while for that to happen now, there's a shift that occurs after you've been adapted for long enough mm -hmm. um but once you hit that tipping point uh, my pumps have gotten better um and yeah strength has improved the inflammation is another big thing that probably isn't talked about enough but mm -hmm. simply not being inflamed after a workout i'm able to get back to the gym yeah. you know sooner and train harder you know with less rest intervals mm -hmm. um and then from like a mental standpoint that's like the the main benefit to keto in my opinion like i'm just I'm, I'm much more productive, you know, with my business and just life in general, um, because I have just a, a real, you know, mental clarity that I never had or experienced before when I was eating a whole bunch of carbs. Like I just feel like I'm on another level. Yeah, that's true. Like this, 
stability and uh, clarity has been something uh, one of the best benefits for me as well you know not not only in terms of uh, not feeling hungry and uh, not feeling having these low energy states during the day but also because of you you can maintain a more consistently throughout the year as well in for your training you're not going to get that fat if you're trying to build muscle you you don't have to enslave yourself doing cardio if you want to lose fat you know it's it's much easier and more and much more consistent i believe for 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 an average person and even if you are like doing professional bodybuilding with it then you know <laughs> it comes to show that it is very performance as well as you know longevity oriented yeah yeah for sure i mean like in traditional bodybuilding you have like a like a contest prep season and like an off season. And, you know, it's pretty typical for bodybuilders to get, you know, really lean in contest prep, obviously, but they're like really pushing it to, you know, get there. And then when the off season comes around, they just let themselves kind of go in a sense. And they're still training hard. They're still, you know, using a lot of calories, but they put on, you know, more fat than is probably necessary for overall health. Um, And it's just like this vicious cycle of bulking and cutting. (laughs) Whereas with keto, like I, I definitely have a contest season and an off season but I don't get near as heavy in the off season. I mean, I'm, I'm in the full blown off season right now and I'm probably like, you know, 10% body fat, which is, you know, pretty good walking around, uh, you know, weight for me. Like I don't have to get up to, you know, 20% body fat to put on muscle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, how has, how has your body composition changed after starting the diet? Have you gained muscle? Have you lost fat or? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely gained muscle, lost fat. Plus I don't hold near as much water. So the, like my physique's a much more accurate reflection of what my physique actually looks like as opposed to being watered down. Mm. Um, they don't have all the glycogen there, just kind of holding that extra water weight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like my skin is much thinner too, um, probably in part because of the, the lack of glycogen and water retention, but just keto in general. Like I think my skin has improved, mm. um, which has led to you know greater vascularity and definition throughout the year. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> it's probably like lower levels of inflammation as well. Yeah, for sure. Feel how soft my skin is. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed myself like the lean gains is very good for keto. You, you're going to put on like quality muscle mass without the extra fat and fluff, you know, <laughs> that you're going to lose mm-hmm. anyway. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're trying to build muscle on keto and just bulk in general, like the scale itself will probably move upwards much, you know, slower, uh, much more slowly than if you were eating carbs. But when it does creep up, you know, it's a quality weight that you're adding. I mean, you, you might be able to build muscle faster with carbs, but in doing that, you're also going to risk, you know, building more fat uh, storage. You're going to build, you know, everything's going to grow a little bit faster, but even the things you don't want to grow. Yeah, Whereas yeah. with keto, it's just a much more even keto kind of growth. And then when you, you know, wind up cutting down, leaning down to, you know, illustrate those gains, you wind up losing muscle, uh, to burn through that fat that you've gained as well, if you're eating, you know, carbohydrate-based diet. So at the end of the day, when you're stepping on stage, I don't think that, you know, I'm having any negative performance effects by going keto. At the end of the day, like it's just a much more sustainable protocol, and I want to just continually putting on more muscle each year. Mm, that's true, yeah. But uh, what are some of the misconceptions about working out on keto that you've heard? Uh, you know, a lot of people think that you can't. Well, first of all, you can't build muscle on keto, which is, yeah. you know, far from the truth. I mean, I've, I've built muscle, uh, significant muscle since I started eating ketogenic diet. And that's been about four years now. Um, and all my lifts have gone up in that time. I mean, everything's improved. My strength has improved. Um, my measurements have improved. It's just, you know, like you subject your body to stress and, you know, taking the form of lifting and, you know, weight training. 
your body's going to respond to that stress and it's going to build muscle mm. and it's going to do that regardless of the diet you're using. So, you know, some diets can kind of tweak things to, to maximize that and minimize the downside. But I mean, for me, keto is just a great way to minimize the downside and, you know, I'm training hard and I'm stressing that body and it's going to force growth on it. So I'm not seeing any shortage in gains there. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you. Like, I think the biggest myth is that you need carbs or insulin to you know trigger muscle protein synthesis, but mm-hmm. re- but really the thing is that is going to facilitate muscle growth is a uh, you know like you said putting stress on the muscle and causing a training stimulus, not the carbs or insulin. If you were to have you know simply high levels of insulin and carbs without the uh, the necessary and the appropriate training stimulus, then you're going to just simply get fat and uh, diabetic. So you've got fat you definitely need to focus on first uh, lifting heavy and then, then getting you know, enough protein. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, there, there's a lot of professional bodybuilders like in the IFBB that, you know, taking in, you know, super drugs, um, insulin and whatnot. And, yeah, they, they're, they're going to be building muscle, but it, it's paired, like you said, with the, the resistance training and the, and the you know, strength training. So they kind of go hand in hand. And if you don't have one without the other, then it's just not going to work. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think focusing on quality diet while you know simultaneously training as hard as you can effectively is gonna you know wind up coming out ahead in the long run. Mm. Yeah, but it, yeah, that at the same time it doesn't come to show that uh, that these insulin and carbs aren't useful for building muscle. Like you said, you can you can use it, but they simply have a like a different role in the metabolism. And what I've come mm-hmm. to find is that like the role of insulin isn't as much about making you anabolic, but you know preventing you from being catabolic. It's going to it's going to help. It's not going to as much as you help to build your new tissue, but it's going to prevent you from breaking down your already existing uh, tissue. In a sense, it's going to actually stop, you know, fat burning. It's going to stop muscle protein breakdown as well. So it's like yeah, yeah. And that's that's a great, great you know point you said there. Like a lot of people, another misconception, you know, people think um, like when I was doing my contest prep, I, I dropped my protein really low, mm. and and my carbs were pretty much non-existent because it was keto. And, you know, a lot of competitors feel that carbs are muscle sparing. If you don't have the carbs there, then you're going to waste away into nothing. Mm-hmm. But ketones, I would argue, are more muscle sparing than carbs. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I was able to go really, really low. I went down to 65 grams of protein towards the end of my <laughs> oh, prep. Wow, and I, I never really experienced any muscle loss. Yeah, if, if any, you know, fitness competitor or a bodybuilder is listening to that, you, you consume 65 grams of protein. <laughs> then they're like, oh, oh, I'm gonna lose all my gains. You know, it's 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 quite mind-boggling for someone to think about it who comes from a non-keto diet that you can actually sustain that little that little protein intake and still maintain your muscle. So, what what you know, what place did you land on in the competition? You won it, right? Yeah, yeah, I won. I won my class. I won the overall, and that's that's when I got the pro card. Mm, yeah, that's that's quite amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, I appreciate uh, it, man. But uh, like there are also like other ways of uh, triggering protein synthesis, I believe, without insulin or carbs. And you probably know this, but you know, leucine is also like mo- one of the most potent amino acids that uh, that drives protein synthesis. Have you had mm-hmm. any? Have you had any experiences with, with you know supplementing leucine, maybe? Yeah, so leucine is great. Um, you know, that's usually found in higher doses with like the branch chain amino acids. And I don't typically use branch chains in the off season or leucine in the off season. But when I'm doing a contest prep, you know, since my my intake is so low, my protein intake is lower. I'll throw in the branched amino acids and the leucine just to kind of safeguard myself mm-hmm. um, and ensure that I'm I'm getting everything I need. I'm not depriving myself of anything. Um, so yeah, leucine is great. Um, what there's kind of like a you know there's a lot of research coming out now that 
you know, is on the fence about branched amino acids. What, what, what's your take on that, you know, overall? Mm, I, I generally don't take any BCAs, but because I think like they're not, <laughs> they're not that effective, especially if you are like on a keto diet, because let's say, for instance, if you're working out on a full stomach, if you eat and something before training, then you're already going to have those branch chain amino acids uh, flooding in your bloodstream from, you know, from steak, from eggs, from fish, whatever it may be, you know, mm -hmm. the, and uh, if you're working in a fasted state, then you would actually want to, you, you don't want to take BCAs either because it's going to kick you out of a fasted state and it's going to make you catabolic and it's going to result in a more, much more, you know, much more protein catabolism than if you were to stay in a strict fasted state because if you're in a very, very deep fasted state, you're going to have higher ketones, you're going to be more muscle, muscle, muscle sparing in a sense. That's, that's what I believe. Like it's, you're either better off by eating something or by eating nothing at all. So it's like very, I mean, and there's not much difference between uh, being in a fasted state and eating if you're doing like keto because like the both of them are very similar. They mimic each other like physiologically. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. I think uh, people are so quick to want to throw in branched amino acids and everything to, to, you know, get that edge, but I don't necessarily think that there's much of an edge. Yeah. I think it's um, like a psych psychological thing of, you know, how you get something uh, that tastes good, you know, the artificial sweeteners or something that can help mm -hmm. you to maybe overcome some mental barriers and uh, put you in the right mindset. But other than that, there's no like much, much physiological benefit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I just actually did my first... Um, my first extended fast, I've, I've never really played around with fasting much in the past, oh, yeah. but I did a four day fast yeah, yeah, uh, the other day <laughs> and it, it was pretty interesting, man. Like I, I was, I was quite surprised at how great I felt yeah. and I wasn't really even hungry. And, you know, I trained three of those four days and all of my workouts were stellar as well. Oh yeah. It's crazy that like, especially like if you are on keto, then you start fasting, you're, you're, you're after that, you know, 36 hour mark and then you're like, meh. What is going on? I'm not, I'm not feeling any different at all. Like I have, I have stable energy. I have, you know, enough power to push myself with physical exercise as well. And it's quite, quite magnificent. It gives you so much confidence in your body's ability to perform even without. Any oh food. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it? for sure. It, and, and it's crazy. Cause like, you know, it gives you such, such a psychological power over mm. eating, you know, in general, because like, you know, you go a long time without food, you go a couple hours and you're getting hungry and it's like, Oh, I'm, I need food, I need to eat. Um, but then you do like a four-day fast, and it's like, wow, I, I just did four days without food, and I performed just fine, so I can go another hour or two without getting a meal in me. Yeah, yeah, four days and, you know, four to five, even a week is like nothing, actually, I believe. Like, I, I would suggest even people with 10% body fat, they can fast for two weeks with no problem and uh, still, still maintain, you know, proper physiological functioning without, you know, starving themselves. But yeah, yeah I agree. But it's definitely. I don't know from a bodybuilding perspective though how much you can get away with yeah. without like. I mean, it's probably not ideal to to build muscle. For you sure. know, go extended periods of fasting. You know, quite often. But uh, it's it's good to throw in. You know, intermittently for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, you, you won't be still able to build significant amount of muscle with not eating anything. You still need to get some nutrients in you. Got eat big to get big. So like uh, a lot of people do follow like specific macronutrient ratios on keto and they eat this and that and they tell you they don't eat too much protein and uh, don't don't you know f exceed this certain threshold do, do you have like any specific macro ratios that you stick to so i've, I've done a, actually did a three-month experiment a while back and i kind of tweaked um i was basically at a 500 calorie surplus uh all three months and i wanted to see what 
what ratio led to the most muscle growth with the least fat gain. So I did one month with um, like a significantly higher protein ratio. I think like 65% of my calories are coming from fat in that month. And then I did one where the fat ratio was like almost, I think 85% of my calories coming from fat. And then I did one that was like the middle of the road, like 78 or 80, somewhere in there. Um, and I didn't really feel, actually I felt bloated and I felt very tired when my protein was incredibly high. Mm -hmm. Um, my sweet spot, I think is right around 80% of my calories coming from fat. Like to me, that just leads to the most mental clarity and the, the most physical performance. Um, but that's gonna be different for everybody. Like some people perform really well with a higher fat ratio, some with a really, you know, with a lower fat ratio. Um, so I like with my clients, I kind of just tweak that and figure out what they feel best at for me personally, it's right around 78 to 82% in that window. Mm, wow. That's, that's quite like a very similar to the, uh, therapeutic range of ketosis as well. <laughs> how many, yeah. do you count your carbs or how do you do that? Yeah. So I keep my carbs pretty low. Like my carbs in the off season stay under, you know, 20 grams of total carbs. And then when I do a contest prep, you know, I'll drop it down as low as 10. So yeah, I think, you know, having it below 20, it just, it removes a lot of the variables. I mean, with keto, like the, uh, you know, proteins and fats, are your bread and butter, carbs kind of act as noise in the equation, in my opinion. So like you can, you know, tweak those, you could use them, you know, as a fat delivery system, basically by, you know, yeah. sauteing some vegetables and, you know, other sources of fat. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I don't really leverage any significant in intake of carbs for anything specifically. Hmm. Have you tried like the zero carb diet? Yeah, so I've tried carnivore. Not, I mean, not like hardcore carnivore, but I've tried, you know, pretty much just no greens and just eating meats. Um, and I feel really good with that. And then there'll be like, I'll do that for a couple of weeks and I'll just crave a big salad. So I'll just, I'll have a big salad. Um, and then I'll like go back to not having carbs for a while. Like right now I'm pretty much, uh, or not having greens for a while. So like, I'm not really eating many salads right now. Um, or really any source of greens really. I'll have like, like a keto brick or something that I make and that'll be pretty much my entire carb source for the day. But most of my calories are definitely coming from animal meats and fats, proteins. Mm, yeah, definitely. Like, I do notice like uh, that. Uh, although I love these vegetables and uh, I love having huge salads, I do notice like uh, if you lower your carbs and if you lower your protein as well, then you're gonna experience higher levels of uh, mental clarity. You're gonna experience lower levels of inflammation as well. So like, it's definitely probably due to you know higher levels of ketones and uh, the other metabolic effects of 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 staying in this semi-fasted state almost. But do you measure? Yeah. Do you measure like your ketones as well? How did how has those different macronutrient ratios affected your level of uh, ketosis? So when I was doing that three month experiment, I had the the lowest ketones with the highest protein and the highest ketones with the highest fat ratio, um, which which makes sense. So like yeah, the higher my fat intake was, the higher my ketones were, um, and then same thing was kind of reflected with the glucose. So I tested blood glucose as well, and then you know with the higher with the higher protein, my glucose was elevated with the higher fat, my glucose had dropped, uh, significantly. Um, so kind of a, you know, inverse relationship there for the most part, but yeah, I definitely feel way, way better. And I noticed also my, my inflammation seemed to increase with the higher protein. Um, and like a lot of people like right now, carnivore is super high. A lot of people are trying, you know, like two to one protein to fat ratio, yeah. um, which is great. You know, the more experimentation out there is the better for me personally, though. I just like, I just, function at such such a higher level with you know most of my calories coming from quality fat sources mm -hmm. yeah there's a, probably a lot of you know genetics heritage 
uh, incidents and activities, those different kinds of things that are all, all changing this, those things. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. also, I also like come across some research that found how you know protein from meats and and such is you know less insulinogenic if it's eaten on a low carb diet versus a high carb diet. So you know if you combine proteins and carbs, then you're gonna actually have like a higher uh, glycemic response to your foods as well. So <laughs> it's still yeah, better. yeah. I, I it's just it's crazy. It's crazy how many variables actually go into the. There's no you know, cut and dry, do this, and then you get this out of it. It's, it's so many variables in, in the picture here. Mm. But w- what does your uh, diet look like? What do you eat on, on a given day? So like what I've been doing lately is I'll, I'll wake up and I'll have like um, just kind of like a fatty coffee, nothing too crazy. I'll just put butter and heavy cream in my coffee. I've been using those. Um, a Neuro Roast is the brand, I think, and it's basically like a mushroom-based coffee. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because it's got less caffeine. Um, so I'll have that with like a, you know, the, the butter and the heavy cream. I'll normally have two or three of those in the morning. And then my next meal will probably be like, um, post workout meal consisting of eggs, maybe some, uh, uncured beef bacon. I've been trying beef bacon lately and it's just delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do that with, or like some sausage or, you know, something like that. And then my other, my, my, I only have two meals a day right now, pretty much. And my, my final meal is normally... I'll make like a like a fathead pizza if I'm incorporating dairy in the diet for cheese. If I'm not trying to use any dairy, then I'll just have like a steak, a ribeye steak, or like mm-hmm. a burger patty or something like that. Um, maybe like a side of spinach or something if I'm trying to get a little bit of greens in. But pretty simple, honestly. Like it's, uh, you know, two meals a day with some coffee in the morning, uh, some fattened coffee in the morning. And then throughout the day, I'll be drinking on electrolytes. I just kind of keep my sodium and potassium in, in pretty good equilibrium. And then uh, that's honestly pretty much it. There's nothing fancy to it. Mm, yeah, I think like that's the beauty of it, you know, that because you're, you know, excluding a lot of the potential inflammatory sources and uh, these processed foods, then you're immediately going to feel better because of that as well. And I, I also believe like that's the reason why these people who do the carnivore diet or zero carb diet is that, yeah, they exclude all the other potential things that... Uh, that may potentially, you know, give them an inflammatory response. And if you're simply eating meat and water, then there's not much that can cause you (laughs) this inflammation. And keto is like, um, in a sense, is more uh, versatile and more diverse version of that, where you're adding in the other beneficial, you know, plants and uh, some other compounds. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like just simply removing a lot of the, I mean, removing the variables, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. And you do that and you're able to really fine tune your health and nutrition and kind of just really pay attention to how you feel. Like from a digestive standpoint, you know, before I switched to keto and was eating similar foods each day, I mean, one day I would have really great digestion. One day I'd have like stomach cramps, stomach aches. I mean, there's just so much volatility when you're introducing so much variety into your foods. Whereas you know, now with me, eating, you know, similar foods each day, like it might be a different cut of me, different, different, you know, strain mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, animal, but it's all pretty similar. And, and therefore my body responds pretty similarly each day. So it's just consistent. Like, I don't have to wonder if I'm going to feel good that they're not, I know I'm going to feel good. Uh, yeah. That's a very good point to me. Like, like for, for instance, if you were to live as an hunter gatherer or as an ancestral human being, then you wouldn't get this such a wide variety of foods on a every, everyday basis. You wouldn't be able to combine, you know, tropical fruit with some, you know, grains and uh, animal, pro- this meat and things like that. You would you would get those nutrients, but you would simply get them at different times of the year. And mm-hmm. uh, it's probably our digestive system has evolved to 
consume or to absorb the nutrients of any given food in the right context as well. You, you like this combining these all these different nutrients and foods together is probably not ideal for digestion. And that's a yeah, completely. And, and it, it it changes too. Like you know, some people on keto they'll have like a lot more greens, and then they'll switch to carnivore. They want to try that. It takes like you know sometimes as much as a month for their digestive system to kind of like sync up with doing a, a very minimal veggie carnivore style eating. And then when they switch back to eating greens, the same is true. So, I mean, you know, it just, you, you have to give your body time to, to adapt to what you're giving it. But then, yeah, like, you, like you're saying, if people, people nowadays, they have any fast food restaurant, anything at their exposure, I mean, they, they can pretty much, you know, mix it up every day and then it's just going to be near impossible to figure out what their body truly responds best to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also like to think like, uh, if you, if you if you were to have to eat a certain or a specific meal for the rest of your day or for the rest of your life every day this single one single meal then it would be probably something like something along the lines of a keto a balanced keto meal like you know some veggies maybe some a good source of protein some healthy fats and you can survive practically until the rest of your days on a, on a, on a one single keto meal if you eat it every mm-hmm. day Probably. Yeah, yeah. This, this this would be the only kind of lifestyle food food choices that I'd want to eat every single day. <laughs> I would not yeah. want to eat, you know, like chicken and rice every single day. But I could definitely get down with eating the steak, steak and eggs every day. Steak is such a treat. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But uh, you're also like uh, you're you're running uh, this YouTube channel and you make some different recipes on there, and uh, you're also working on creating like sort of a ketogenic meal replacement bar. It's called the Keto Brick. You know, can you mm-hmm. tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about that? One, what's the ingredients and what are the macros? Yeah, so the, the keto brick uh, is kind of an accident for it even becoming a food product. Honestly, like I made it uh, in my last contest prep simply because I wanted to make something that was like a fat bomb that could allow me to hit my fat macros without having to be in a refrigerator. I just wanted something that was shelf stable that I could actually bring to the competition mm-hmm. and just have there handy and just you know have throughout the prep in general. And there wasn't really anything that exists on the market because, you know, like fat bombs, they're great. But I mean, they have like coconut oil and butter as the base typically, which is going to melt if you take it out of the fridge. Um, so I made this keto brick and basically it's 1000 calories. Uh, it's got um, really good ketogenic macros. There's 90 grams of fat, 31 grams of protein, um, 16 grams of carb of which 12 are fiber and it's, it's shelf stable. So I could take it, you know, I could take it to the gym with me. I could take it hunting. I could take it camping. I could take it to school. I could take it to work. I could mm-hmm. take it anywhere without having to be in a fridge. Um, and you know, I, I, like I said, I never really planned on really marketing it. And then I had it on like one of my YouTube videos and everybody started asking about it. And next thing you know, they're all wanting me to produce and get them one or you know, <laughs> mail them one. I'm like, well, I'll just make this into a product. We'll just <laughs> see where it Send goes. That's kind of what's happened. Send me a brick. <laughs> Yeah, I'll send you a brick, man, for sure. I'd love to get your feedback on it. Oh, no, no. Like, um, I, was men- I was taking like, the comments on the people mentioning, like, oh, I-, I would like a brick. You know, it's something that you would uh, <laughs> expect people to ask you. But, you know, yeah. like, what are the um, ingredients in- inside? Like, uh, how do you manufacture it? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's just me manufacturing. Me and my girlfriend are in a kitchen making all these. But it's got, uh, it's got cacao butter in there. It's got cacao nibs. It's got like a little bit of coffee. Everybody's worried about the caffeine intake, but it's, it's super, super low in coffee. Um, so hardly any caffeine coming from that. It's got, uh, what is that? It's got some flax in there. It's got uh, a vegetable-based protein powder. 
Um, just like a concoction of a couple, I think it's got seven total ingredients and so nothing crazy. Mm, and wow. then just mix with the right ratios to, you know, provide the right fat content, um, and make it shelf stable. That's pretty much what it is. Oh, it's got some salt too for, from electrolytes. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, sounds, sounds very, uh, interesting. And probably like, as you, as you move along, you're going to refine it even better, you know, and make, make like non-caffeine version and, and low cal- low calorie <laughs> keto bricks as well or something because I would imagine like uh, it's not gonna be ideal for someone who's trying to lose weight on keto because it has like almost one thousand calories. So, yeah, yeah, it's a people definitely want a smaller version of it. No, one thousand just such a round number. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a massive iconic iconic number almost. Exactly. You didn't eat like a dozen keto bricks during your contest prep every day and still lose weight, did you? <laughs> No, no, it's pretty much like one brick a day. Like a typical day of eating, incorporating the brick would be, you know, like my morning coffee and then have like the brick with like a can of sardines or something, get a little bit more protein in. So like a can of sardines and olive oil with the brick um, for like my first meal and then like a steak or something as my last meal. That's like a perfect day of eating for me. Right, the steak. It's true that you can't have unlimited amounts of fat on keto and still lose fat. But at the same time, you know, there are many people who have done these, you know, crazy 5,000 calorie keto diets and uh, not still getting any weight. So, and I, and I remember you did something similar, like a, a high calorie diet experiment. How many calories mm-hmm. did you eat? Yeah, so I did, I did 4,000 calories um, a day for, I, I documented it for 21 days straight. And then I actually did it for like two months, I think. Um, and I was, I was like, Jason Whitrock did it prior to me so i saw his videos and i'm like wait i, I gotta try this because I, I did it i started doing it the day after my competition um so i was at an incredible deficit and i basically was trying to test you know because with like like i said typical bodybuilding diets you know you go into you know a really negative post show rebound gain a lot of fat and you kind of develop eating disorders i kind of wanted to take it to the extreme and see if i would have those same negative effects with keto post show um, so I basically, I was down to 1,650 calories um, at the end of my contest prep. And then the day after that, I jumped up to 4,000 plus wow. for two months straight. And I wanted to document and see how my body responded. And I, I gained a little bit of body fat. I gained a little bit of weight. But all in all, it was not near the negative effect that I would have expected. I mean, if I had, if I had done that same thing with carbohydrates, then... Yeah, you'd be talking to a much heavier person. <laughs> Bloated as hell, yeah, probably. Yeah, for sure. You're too fat for your armor. Why do, why do you think like this happened? Why didn't you gain that much body fat? I think there's a lag effect with keto. Um, I think you can, you're not going to have near the downside near as quickly with keto. Um, that said, you know, there, there's no free lunch. Like everything matters. Everything counts. So, like if, if I was to, like right now, I'm in the off season. My body's kind of reached an equilibrium. Um, if I was to do, you know, 4,000 calories for 21 days straight now, I'd probably experience more body fat gain, um, because I've kind of reached that equilibrium point. So like I'm anything, I've reached that homeostatic level, anything more than this, and I'm going to gain anything less than this, I'm going to lose. Um, so like with, with that, you know, there's just a lag effect. So if I had, you know, done that at my homeostatic level, I wouldn't see near the result that I would have coming right off a contest prep, but my body was you know, primed for burning fat at that point. It was primed for just, you know, I was down to three and a half percent body fat. So I didn't really right. expect a huge gain. I mean, even, even a gain, I'm still under 10% at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This probably, your body was 
deprived from uh, nutrients for such a long time and then you simply super compensated for it in a sense yeah exactly exactly and, and it responded really well like i i felt very energized very um, strong during that entire time i saw good good gains in the gym during that 21 day uh 4000 calorie experiment so i had, I, had, I learned a lot from it for sure how, how, how big of a weight shift did you go through I want to say I only gained eight pounds, um, <laughs> which, which is crazy considering, I mean, like after my first competition, when I was eating carbs, I gained 20 pounds in two days. Um, so compare that with only gaining eight pounds with more than doubling the calories, you know, over 21 days and not too bad. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. The keto is a mysterious thing and, uh, it's, we, we, everyone has to experiment and see how their body responds. Yes, that's why I think like from a natural bodybuilding perspective, you know, like so many competitors just really do their body damage. Like they, they take it way past the point where it should go and then, you know, in a negative light and then in a caloric deficit light. And then after the show, they do the same thing in inverse. And it's just a very vicious cycle. It's really hard on the body. And I feel like from a natural bodybuilding perspective, keto could be a really, really great optimal way to just kind of level the playing field, look better than you've ever looked, be healthier than you've ever been, and just feel much better doing it. Uh, you don't have to like walk around like a zombie yeah. at the end of your prep. You're still going to be hungry. Um, there's still, it's not going to be like, you know, simple. It's not going to make it perfect, but it's just going to make it much more sustainable and make the sport much healthier in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, uh, Maybe let's like walk walk you th walk us through like how did you prepare for your contest? How long did you diet it, and uh, how did you change your uh, training and diet throughout this uh, entire process? Yeah, so my training honestly doesn't really change that much um, as I go into a contest prep. I try and lift as heavy as I did in my off season. A lot of people want to start lifting lighter weights for more reps when they go into a contest prep. Um, I, I believe that the heavier you go, the better. You know, if your body you know, for instance, if, if I'm doing 405 pounds for squat in the off season for reps, mm -hmm. and when I start doing a contest prep and my focus shifts from building muscle to just maintaining as much muscle as possible, and I decide, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do 405, I'm going to do 205 now, I'm just going to do more reps, mm -hmm. your body's going to recognize that, okay, we don't need to have this muscle to be able to lift 405, so let's, we're at a caloric deficit right now, let's go ahead and steal from the muscle to feed the body and kind of try and maintain that homeostatic level. But if I'm constantly putting 405 on my back and doing that throughout my entire prep, it's still needing that demand. Um, so I'm able to maintain a lot more muscle. So my training stays pretty similar. I'll incorporate more drop sets, more supersets, just a little bit more intensity, um, a little bit more cardio, but nothing too crazy drastic change there. Um, nutritionally, I uh, you know slowly taper my calories. Um, I keep a fat ratio pretty high. Um, one, one thing that I feel is pretty counter to what is typically done is I make protein my most manipulated variable. Mm. Um, so rather, like my carbs are already low since I'm keto, rather than trying to drop my fat down, I keep my fat relatively high and drop my protein down throughout the course of the prep because my body's, you know, my, my primary focus, like I said, is shifts from building muscle to maintaining muscle. So by dropping that protein, my fat ratio is inherently going to get larger I'm going to produce more ketones. I'm going to be more muscle sparing and I'm not really going to experience much of a muscle loss. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good point. Yeah, like uh, you have to maintain this signal 
that's that says to your body that you need that muscle because yeah, your body's going to as long as you don't have enough energy then your body simply wants to get rid of the unnecessary tissue that you don't need and if mm-hmm. you're not and if you're not lifting heavy then you you're telling your body that you you don't need it anymore and one of the more it's actually more important to lift heavy uh while cutting because it's 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 your body's already in this state where it's wanting to get rid of the ex- excess and you know yeah. doing, how, did, how how much cardio did you do uh, I, I honestly didn't do that much like I, I did i did the stairmaster that's the only form of cardio i did i only did 20 minute sessions um i've never really been a fan of just totally killing myself on the cardio machines and low intensity for hours i never really seen eye to eye with that mm. uh, so I'll, I'll just do i just like 20 minute sessions on the stairmaster and i gradually scaled that up um throughout the, the prep and like one week I would, you know, increase the intensity level by another, by another level or by another minute. And then the next week I'd, you know, give it another small bump and just basically slowly titrated that up, um, throughout the course of the prep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, losing weight is much easier if you focus on, on weights rather than cardio, because you're going to get skinny fat almost if you just do cardio. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And like the weights get harder. Like when you're taking in less calories, like that four or five, it, 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 it becomes heavier and heavier seemingly, you know? Um, and that's when, it, that's when it becomes hard, you know, doing a contest prep for, you know, four and a half, five months, six months, even, I mean, the weight's getting heavier, at least it feels heavier. You're taking in less food, you're hungry, you know, having the mental fortitude to, you know, just push through when it's not fun anymore, when it, when it hurts to go to the gym, when you just, you just want to eat, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's, that's where it becomes a hard, hard sport, you know, the mental, mental aspect of it. Yeah, like I totally agree. Like bodybuilding is is one of the toughest sports on the planet in terms of like mental fortitude, as well. Because yeah, it's 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 most athletes they can most athletes like you know Michael Phelps. He's training all day. He can eat a lot of food, but bodybuilders have to you know taper down their food as well while still exercising harder. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. exercise is gonna make you more hungrier the more you do it as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's very unnatural. I mean, like it, it, from a from a biological standpoint, like your body does not want to do what yeah. you're subjecting it to. Like you, know, it doesn't want to train harder and eat less, and it, it just wants to main, maintain like a level of comfort. And bodybuilding is everything but comfortable. Um, but that that's the beauty of like I love the challenge of knowing that I'm doing something and succeeding at something that very few people have ever tried or ever will try. Um, and then when you do that, it's just, it's crazy, man. Like the, the lessons that I learned in bodybuilding and you know, the, the hardships that I go through during like a contest prep, like that carries over into every single aspect of my life and everything benefits from it. I mean, I can literally go into any situation and have the confidence in knowing that I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll succeed at it because of the you know, traits that I've acquired through bodybuilding. Mm-hmm, that's true that, that's a huge huge uh, advantage as well but uh, mm-hmm. like uh, it's very common for bodybuilders to you know also carve up and uh, pump up their muscles before they step on stage what was your like pre-stage routine because a lot of people say that you can't be vascular on keto if you don't eat you know carbs yeah so uh, definitely not not the case i mean it's it's kind of funny like peak week um you know for bodybuilding is, is interesting because people will do a lot of manipulations to their sodium their water intake and They'll, they'll carb load to try and fill out more on stage. Keto was great for that because I didn't have any of those variables. Like I didn't, a lot of, a lot of people will, you know, they'll misstep and they'll, 
calculate something incorrectly and they'll look incredibly bloated on stage or incredibly flat on stage, which is sad because, you know, you put on all this work and it just, it's not illustrated on show day. Mm. Whereas with keto, I mean, I stayed hydrated. I, I drank, I think I had a gallon of water before I even stepped on stage, mm-hmm. um, which is unheard of. Like most people are drinking 24 ounces the entire day. Mm. So I never had to cut water. Um, I increased my sodium a little bit the night before to kind of draw in any extra subcutaneous water or any water into the subcutaneous layer of skin um, and just kind of, you know, thin out there. But I didn't really do any crazy manipulations with that. Um, and then, yeah, like my, my pumps and everything were great. I, all I did was pretty much have a fat bomb. Had had my brick, one of my first generation bricks before stepping on stage. Everybody else was eating rice cakes and, <laughs> you know, peanut butter. And I'm I'm eating you know, a thousand calories worth of fat bricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like sodium, like sodium and salt is definitely a huge variable for, uh, for having a successful keto diet as well. Like, uh, most people experience the keto flu because of not getting uh, enough electrolytes and th- things like that. So how much sodium do you consume like every day? So like a typical day for me is like around, around 4,000 milligrams of sodium. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's got a different sweet spot there too. But like for me, what, what I've been doing lately that I really like as far as the protocol goes, I got a, a half gallon jug and I'll put um, those Vega hydrators. There's, there's three electrolyte powders that I use. So I'll use Zip Fizz, I use um, Vega hydrator, and then I use Dr. Berg's electrolyte powder. Those are the only three that I've found that have a lot of potassium. Like those pills only have 99 milligrams, so it's just mm-hmm. not really much bang for your buck. Um, so I'll, I'll get like the Vega hydrator. I'll put two scoops um, into that gallon, which is – each scoops, I think 400 milligrams. So I wound up with 800 milligrams of potassium there. And then I'll put a teaspoon or a quarter teaspoon of uh, sodium, uh, pink salt into that as well, which I believe gives me right around 2000 milligrams. And then I'll put like a, some, like a scoop of creatine in there. And that's basically my, my little, you know, jug of water. I'll have two or three of those a day, depending on, you know, how thirsty I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I feel like, if you are on keto on low carb diets, then you can pre, you can be pretty you know deliberate and uh, free flowing with your sodium intake as well. You don't have to worry about you know bloating. You don't have to worry about hypertension that much because of the low insulin state. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I don't have hardly any any bloating now. Like if, if I if I have a ton of sodium that I didn't really plan for, like the other day I had um, what did I eat? I had uh, oh shoot corned beef corned beef brisket. Um, you know, that's in like the brine that's packaged in the brine and it wound up like more than doubling my sodium intake for the day. And then I woke up heavier the next morning cause I was holding more water, which mm. is kind of to be expected. But on a typical day, yeah, like I can get away with eating a ton of sodium and drinking my water and potassium and I, I don't have hardly any water retention. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Do you have like any plans of competing in the future? Yeah. So like I, I typically take, you know, two years off in between shows, um, like as a natural competitor, you know, I'm, I'm prepping for anywhere from four to six months. So half of my year is basically at a caloric deficit and half of my year I have to build muscle. So if I competed every year, there wouldn't be much time to put on a lot of noticeable right. difference in muscle mass. Right. Um, so I tend to take a couple of years off in between shows. I competed in two shows, 2017, and I'll probably not compete again until 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit longer than usual for me, but I'm going to, you know, leverage that time, make the most of it. And then when I step on stage again in 2020, it's going to be lights out. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in the meantime, you're going to, you have still have other stuff to do probably as well with your, you know, with your business and uh, the keto bricks. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be busy for sure. I'm going to use this time to really focus on the business and just focus on training really hard and building on some quality muscle. I'd love to kind of play around with some of these, um, like Spartan races, mud runs, mm. uh, <laughs> go ruck things. I don't know. I just, just kind of something to mix it up. That's kind of competitive still to kind of keep that competitive edge going, but it's just kind of more of like a relaxing fun thing than anything. Another, another one of those mentally devastating sports is the obstacle course racing those those are also like very they require a ton of mental toughness as well yeah yeah and i've never done one so i'm anxious to give one a try and see kind of how how i how i do yeah i want to try it as well but uh, you know there aren't many in in my region at the moment where, where are you located again uh, i'm in uh, estonia it's it's uh, near finland and in the baltics what's uh the key to that population like there is it pretty prominent or not uh, really we, known we have like a small keto community who are doing like a low carb high fat diet, but uh, there, there's not like a very, I would say it's not that active besides from, you know, social media. It's, we don't have like very much this sort of meetups or uh, conferences or something like that. Just, just hmm. mainly online, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I think I feel like it's growing, growing by the day, I believe. That's, that's good, man. I think like the more people that know about it, the better it's starting to you know, really gain traction here in the States. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good thing for sure. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I've also, you know, myself, I've started this sort of a small recomposition, body recomposition on keto. And uh, I want to, want to build like a few pounds of lean muscle at the expense of my body fat. And, uh, mm -hmm. like I'm already quite lean. I'm around 10% as well. And it's going to be quite difficult to, you know, build, build muscle at, while still losing fat. And, but I think like doing it on the keto diet is like the perfect way of accomplishing it because, because of the protein sparing effects and uh, the reduced hunger and so on. So at the moment, I'm like 165 pounds around 10% body fat. Uh, and I want to be like, I want to get to like 175 pounds of, uh, while still staying around the same body fat or something. So what would you... Yeah, 10 pounds of muscle would be great, man. I mean, Tim, if, if you think about it, like if you go to the grocery store and you pick up a pound of beef and you look at that pound of beef, I mean one pound is a lot, you know, like if yeah, that's yeah. just translating to your own body mass muscle, I mean, that's, that's a lot of muscle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So how would you recommend me for, what would you do in terms of training if you want to kind of go through this uh, kind of a recomp? So I, I'm, I've always been a fan of, you know, really focusing on a single body part each time I train. Mm -hmm. um, so like I'll train five or six days a week and I pretty much have a designated day for each muscle. So like legs get their own day, back gets their own day. Um, some people like a little bit more frequency. Um, I personally just like to really hammer that one day when I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, so I would do that, you know, kind of like a split like that, like a single body part split and like buys and tries I'll train together. Um, some of the smaller muscles I'll train together, but for the most part, every muscle gets their own day. Mm -hmm. um, and then from a nutritional standpoint, or for, from a training standpoint, I would just focus on lifting heavy. Um, I, I kind of like the, the 15, 12, 10, 8 rep range. That way I'm able to kind of go heavy, um, but still get a little bit of volume in there. And then on like the primary compound movements, I've been doing um, like all pyramid down even lower. Mm -hmm. uh, so down to like, you know, one or two reps towards the end, but still going, but, but going much heavier. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've been kind of playing around with this rotational protocol of incorporating like a explosive day on certain movements, um, a higher volume day, and then just a strength day on just the, the four primary compound movements, like your squats, bench, uh, deadlift, and overhead press. That way, those three primary muscles are getting worked and trained very differently. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I like doing that. And then from a nutritional standpoint, I would focus on, you know, if you, if you have a higher, if you have a higher fat ratio and you tolerate that well, then like kind of with that lag effect, you're able to take in a little bit more of a surplus um, and kind of minimize a lot of the, the, ne- the negative downside. So what, what is your baseline caloric intake? you have any idea? Uh, I usually consume like 2,000 to 2,300, somewhere around there. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, and if I do plan on uh, working harder or, or working out harder on a specific day, then I might increase it by, you know, a very small amount, like uh, 300 calories or something like that. So I would try and just like, you know, stay consistent with like right around 2,500, whether you're training or not, um, just kind of like have a consistent caloric intake and then just train hard. And if you do that, kind of get like a baseline established, um, go from there. But if, you, if you're typically taking in 20, like 2,000 or 2,300, you bump it up to 2,500 and just are consistent with it. And it's coming from a higher fat ratio and just focused on training hard. I would I'd be willing to bet that you'd see a lot of those body recomps come into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Consistency is probably the biggest variable <laughs> for all kinds of gains. Yeah, a lot of people they they just want to kind of mix and match a lot of things all at the same time. Like have you know days that are high, days that are low, days that they're doing more carbs or less carbs. It's just for me, I like to just keep everything as concise and consistent as possible, and just change one thing at a time and be very small with those changes, and then really pay attention to how my body responds. Mm, that's 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 a good that's a good piece of advice and uh, constantly be experimenting with something. That's mm-hmm. I think that's another important one. Anybody want to be a bodybuilder, but don't nobody want to lift no heavy ass weight. Absolutely. I'd also be interested to see you know how how maybe these exogenous ketones could uh, potentially substitute for for a caloric deficit uh, because you know there's a lot of new research coming out that shows how, how maybe these ketones they can actually trigger protein synthesis. You know I talk I talk with uh, Ryan Lowry who from the ASBI and he said mm-hmm. that you know there are some evidence showing that they can stimulate muscle growth almost <laughs> and it's, it's quite crazy yeah honestly I mean there's there's so much coming out right now I don't know where I stand on to be honest I mean there's one argument that if you're giving your body exogenous ketones then what what compels your body to produce its own endogenous ketones and therefore you know I, that makes sense to me too um, so like if my goal is to lose body fat, I might not want to increase exogenous ketone intake because then that would kind of be hindering my body's own abilities. Yeah. Um, so I get that argument and then I get the same argument of, you know, if you take exogenous ketones, which is basically another fuel source and you're putting in more output then you're going to be able to, you know, have an Im- improved composition standpoint there. Um, I honestly haven't experimented enough with it myself to know. I know that a lot of benefit from the ketone salts are just going to be coming from the electrolytes in general. <laughs> they they yeah. have a pretty good electrolyte profile. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people feel really great on them. And more often than not, it's just simply because they're getting the, the enough electrolytes in. Yeah, it's true. Like uh, it, it, there's a difference between endogenous ketones coming from your body fat and the exogenous ketones coming from those BHP salts. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, 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 it is true that to a certain extent, those B, those BHP salts they're going to inhibit lipolysis, and uh, you you may actually suffer from sort some sort of a energy crisis almost in terms of you're not going to actually able to tap into your body fat stores. You're simply going to use those exogenous ketones, but once that runs out, then you may experience a slight you know a short short term dip in energy because you have to you know reconvert or re- mm-hmm. 
readapt back to your body fat. Yeah, yeah. And see, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, you know, just based off of what I've, you know, realized thus far, I don't think I would use exogenous ketones if my primary goal is to, you know, lose body fat. Mm. I can see them being more beneficial if I'm, you know, trying to time my intake of exogenous ketones to perform for a specific event. Yeah. Um, that's probably how I would incorporate them now personally. Um, but yeah, I'm still up for, you know, I'm open-minded on it because I haven't experimented enough to, to truly decide one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. And maybe like in the future, you can add some uh, extra, extra ketones into your keto break as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you I, go. That I, the esters too. The esters are coming out, and I, I don't really know because well, yeah. they're not really commercially available. There, there's a couple of places you can get them, and I've tried them, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how those you know affect the market. How did they affect your ketone levels? Oh man, they shot to the roof. Like I, I had I think two millimolar or something. I don't remember. It was pretty low. It might have been even less than that. It might have been less than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had like 60 grams of exogenous ketone esters. And it shot up to like four and a half or four point eight or something within fifteen twenty minutes. Wow! <laughs> yeah, so those those things are a, a different class than just you know these uh, BHP salts. Yeah, very very different profile for sure. Hmm. Uh, I saw like that the first batch of your keto bricks they sold out very fast. Or, like when can people expect another batch? Uh, I'm actually going to make more this weekend, um, so we should have another restocked batch um next week um yeah it's, it's kind of crazy we gotta we gotta figure out how to scale up because like i said just me and my girlfriend and i've enlisted the help of like my cousins and some friends to help but uh the, the demand is is definitely greater than the supply right now mm-hmm. or is your family eating like uh, some sort of a similar diet as you uh not not in large part like my uh my cousins have tried it my friends tried it but uh most of my family i mean i, I come from the good old southern roots here, so they're always eating, you know, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> right, right. But your girlfriend, girlfriend is keto, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's keto. She's actually prepping for her first competition uh, in three weeks, and she's doing that all keto. She's been keto for, shoot, I guess about two years now. And, uh, yeah, so I'm prepping her for this show, which is cool because it's, it's cool to see the, the, you know, difference between how females and males respond to the diet from a contest prep standpoint. Mm. But yeah, she's she's doing great. Like, she's... You know, speaking of, you know, muscle sparing effects of ketones, I've got her all the way down to 30 grams of protein right now. And we've gotten body scans every two weeks and her, uh, her muscle mass hadn't, hadn't dipped at all. And her, um, her, her PRs on her lifts have all stayed constant. Like she hasn't dropped in weight there either. Wow. That's crazy. Like how, how, what does she actually eat then? Like one piece of steak or? Yeah, pretty much, man. It's pretty small right now. So she'll have like fatty coffees uh, in the morning. And then she has like one, she's pretty much like the one meal a day approach. And she's got like, um, like ground beef. She makes like a burger patty with some eggs and a little bit of cheese. Um, and then she'll have like, uh, you know, some volume stuff like low calorie volume stuff throughout the day. But for the most part, all of her calories are pretty much in that one meal. Wow. That's, that's quite (laughs) definitely will probably be well worth it. If, if she gets into one of the best shapes of her life. Yeah, yeah, she's, I mean, she's leaner now than she's ever been, mm. um, and it's crazy, because, like, she's been prepping for 20, 20 weeks, 21 weeks, um, and, like, females, you know, going back to that lag effect with keto, that really, really happens with females, like, they'll, they'll be at a caloric deficit for much, much longer, and their scale won't be changing that much, um, oftentimes, but then, that doesn't necessarily mean their body composition's not changing, 
Mm. I'm like every single week we take pictures and, and she's improved there, but her scale hasn't changed. And here lately, these past couple of weeks, it's just been like a steady drop in the scale. So it's, it just seems to take a little bit longer for the body and females to, to really take hold of the caloric deficit and respond to it. Mm. And she's also strong as well. I believe like uh, yeah, I've seen a few of the Instagram videos and she's lifting. Oh yeah. She, she's a beast. <laughs> she's yeah. a beast, man. She, she squats like two forty five. She's hit two fifty five, I think. And then she's, bench pressing you know 135 for reps and deadlifting uh, i think she's got the 285 on deadlift mm, awesome awesome like where can people like learn more about uh, you and uh, your journey yeah so i'm keto savage uh that's pretty much where everything's branded all my social media is keto savage my website's keto savage uh podcast is keto savage the brick um, has got its own website ketobrick.com and that's going to be where we you know sell those through Uh, whenever they're in stock yeah awesome yeah looking forward to it and uh, i'm gonna ask you my last question which is gonna be like what would be this one single piece of advice or habit that you wished you'd adopted earlier that improved your body and your mind that's a good one man that's a good one um honestly just like self-experimentation and not being you know paralyzed by the whole paralysis analysis um, symptom, which is common with, you know, lifting, it's common with training, it's common with nutrition, and it's common with business. You know, I am a perfectionist at heart, so I always want to be perfect and I, I want to put myself out there in a perfect light, but everybody's different. Everybody's going to respond differently. So, you know, you might have a, a perfect protocol laid out for you, your body and your mind might not work with it. Um, so I think just simply putting yourself out there and being willing to try new things And I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's, it's true. You know, like you just gotta, you just gotta jump in and see what responds well to see what resonates with you, whether it's like a certain training protocol, you know, some people might, might do a lot better with lower weight and higher frequency, you know, whether it's certain nutrition protocols, some people might be better with carnivore. Some people might be better with, you know, a little bit more greens. Mm. Um, and then that carries into business too. Like I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I started doing the business stuff I am, but I've kind of learned as I've gone and just continue to refine the process day by day so it's that's just life mm, that's an amazing piece of advice like constantly try something new and then to, to not get stuck in uh, your own uh, on to not get stuck in your own way of doing things and to reassess and readapt you know so. yeah 100% man like I honestly believe being open-minded is, is huge you know like I, I think that there's every I can learn something from every single person in this world Mm. And being open-minded to that, it just it, it ensures that you don't ever become stagnant. Oh, right, right. And uh, like, what are you gonna train today? <laughs> what you gonna work up be? Uh, actually, I already went. I went this morning. I trained. Um, when did I train today? They all kind of run together. I did shoulders today. So nice. today was shoulder day. I threw in some some calves. I train calves pretty much every day. That's one thing that I do recommend higher frequency on. Um, but yeah, good good shoulder day. And uh, what what's the post-workout nutrition gonna be? I'm going to have, um, I'm thinking about making like a, uh, getting some of those portobello mushrooms and then making like a portobello mushroom burger. So like use mm. the portobello mushrooms as the buns basically, and oh. then have a, have the burger patty in there and then fill that up with all kinds of goodness. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I've, I've tried like these, um, champignon mushrooms as well. Like when you fill it up with some, either some bacon strips or some, uh, blue cheese and cook it, cook it in the oven and it's going to be delicious. Oh yeah, I love mushrooms. <laughs> Don't cut it out there. Yeah, but yeah. Well, Robert, uh, thanks for coming onto the show. Uh, definitely enjoyed talking to you, and uh, 
I'm still amazed by how well you're going to still be able to perform on a, on 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 what what kind of a diet you're doing and looking forward to your future everything you do basically. <laughs> yeah, no man, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's uh, it's been a pleasure for sure and um yeah, I mean I, I really believe in this lifestyle. I think it's I mean, it's changed my life. It's it's helped a lot of people. So the more people that know about it, you know, I'm I'm all for anything I can do to spread the word. You oh. Just let me know. Awesome, awesome. We'll definitely probably have some sort of uh, another episode in the future. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Just let me know and we'll make it happen. That's it for this episode of the Body, Mind and Power podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on the iTunes or the other social media platforms. Definitely check out the show notes for the topics that we discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.